Hallelujah. Before I get into the word today, I just wanted to pray. This is our first Sunday of 2022. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful to be in fellowship with the people of God this morning. I am so grateful to be alive. 2021 was a bit of a doozy, <laughs> but I'm ready for 2022 with the grace of God. Let me just pray as we enter into this moment. Kind, gracious, and loving Father, we thank you. We absolutely thank you for arriving at this moment. We're excited and we're looking forward to what you will do within us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. And so we sing in response to that, hallelujah. We sing in response to that all praises to Jehovah. We thank you, Lord. We know that you need your goodness and mercy just to be alive today. We thank you, Lord God, for letting us arrive at 2022. We thank you for this moment, for this worship, Lord God. We pray that you would just let it be acceptable in your sight. Hear our words. Hear our glory of you. Hear our blessings of you. And know, Lord, that it's coming from our heart, from that hidden place from that place deep within us. Hear our voice, Lord Jesus. Hear the sincerity in it and receive our worship and let it bless your name. We pray even right now as we enter in 2022, you'll bless everybody in this room. Lord God, let them feel your anointing. Let them know you're here. Let them be with you. Let their presence be in your life, Lord God. We pray you'll let your presence be in every part of their aspect of their lives, in their workplaces, in their homes. Lord, let it be with them, Lord Jesus. We know that in your presence is life. And so we ask for that life and ask for it more abundantly. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. And in Jesus' name, we do pray it. And amen, and amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Again, I'm so grateful to be in fellowship with you. Please take your seats. So grateful to see you all today. I have a bit of a voice issue. We were here on um, the New Year's Eve and I shouted and screamed and sang so loud that I kind of done my voice in a little bit. So if my voice goes in and out, you know why. It's a, I have a good, really good excuse. Um, um, anyway, I'm so grateful to be here with you today. Um, I had a, I was studying this week. I had the opportunity to really sit down in some study this week and I wanted to share some of the, the fruit of that study with you. Um, I gave a little bit of a hint of it um, uh, the other night and I want to kind of finish that thought. Um, I was reading from the book, the prophetic book of Habakkuk. Um, Habakkuk is how I pronounce it. Some people pronounce it Habakkuk and don't manage to, there's three K's in this, so it's like there's lots of hard K's, but Habakkuk is the book of a minor prophet in the Old Testament. And he was both a prophet, and if you look at the last chapter of his book, it's almost like he was a almost like a psalmist and a poet too. You see the last chapter kind of reminds me of the book of Psalms. Um, and he starts writing what he saw um, was going on to the children of Israel. And it made me think, that first chapter made me think of what the last year and a half and almost two years has been like for us. Like, how, how much longer is this gonna go on? <laughs> right? Um, how much distress and disruption is it gonna cause us? Um, you know, how much longer is it going to be? And the chapter one of Habakkuk um, starts with this idea of how long shall I cry? 
That's how he starts. And he's talking on behalf of his people, the children of Israel, and specifically Judah. And he's talking and he's saying, they've, we've been in this horrible situation where these neighboring kingdoms have been picking on us for a long time. We have been disrupted by them. They have been terrorizing us for a long time. And he's saying to the Lord in chapter one, how long do we have to go through this? Like, is, is it much longer? He's kind of really saying, isn't there an end to it? And I don't know if you've ever been going through something. Like, I remember a few weeks ago, months ago really, I was at the dentist. And for me, it felt like the worst six hours of my life. In truth, it was about 10 minutes. The truth is, it was about 10 minutes of teeth cleaning, and I was out. But for me, it felt like I was, I was like, how much cleaning does my teeth need? What are you doing in there? I know what's gone in there. It's not that much of a big deal, but this got, it kept going and kept going. And the more my distress was, is the longer this situation felt. And the truth, it was my own fault. I'd brought this situation on myself. Maybe I didn't floss enough. Maybe that was the issue. But whatever it was, I brought this situation on myself. And the truth is, Habakkuk is a prophet in a time where they've brought this problem on themselves. The Lord said, I'm going to send you, a, a, I'm going to send trouble to you if you don't turn away from and repent from what you're doing. And so they finally really get the message, but Habakkuk is the prophet right in the middle of the trouble. He's realizing the problem and he's telling the Lord, he says, how much longer do we have to go through this? What's interesting about the way he describes it though, it's really interesting the way he describes it. I said he's kind of like a psalmist because the way he chooses to describe it is almost poetic. He says, he says in the scripture, the Chaldeans who, who have been tasked with picking on Israel to kind of bring them back into compliance with God, he says of the Chaldeans, he says Your, their horses are like leopards, they're so fast. Why have they got everything and we've got nothing? Why do they look so strong? He starts off with this idea, he says, they look like wolves, they're so fierce, they look like wolves. How are they so strong and I'm so weak? I don't know if you've ever felt like that, where the situations you're going through felt like everybody else had the advantage. Like, like how are they so tall? How are they so strong? How are they so good looking? How are they so smart? How come they seem to get it straight away and it takes me 25 minutes to get the same idea that they get in five minutes? And you ask yourself, Lord, why have they got everything and I've got nothing? And this prophet Habakkuk is saying the same thing. I'm telling you that this idea that everybody else seems to have everything isn't new to you. Like this isn't the new thing. Like everybody has those feelings. To be quiet as it's kept, the folks who are doing well have the same feelings, <laughs> to be honest. The ones who think that they've got everything and you think they've got everything, they're actually asking the same question. They're asking the same question of you. They're saying, well, how, when he's, he's going through that thing, does he look like he's okay? <laughs> right? So the scripture tells us that the Chaldeans, he also describes the Chaldeans as flying like eagles. Like, how are they able to go so high. He says of the Chaldeans in chapter one, in Habakkuk chapter one, he says, how is it that they fly like the wind? He uses these beautiful descriptions of the Chaldeans. And I noticed that 
this is actually the kind of praise that you shouldn't reserve for your enemies. It's almost like the thing that you should be praising like this is really the God you serve. Like, sometimes I think we become so completely enamored by the problem that that's all we see. And rather than see that the great God of heaven is in charge of everything, we focus on what distress is nearby and disturbing us. And unfortunately, it can look like a type of worship. We have to be very careful where we put our energy. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever had something and you see a new version come out. Like, the phones are the, the classic example of this. Uh, my wife has, I think, the iPhone 8, 9 or 10 or something like that. I can't remember which one. And it's probably, we're probably on iPhone 17 at the moment. Now, the iPhone 11 is beautiful. It's nice. It's a beautifully designed. It still works. Gets the latest upgrades. But as soon as we see the iPhone 17, like, that has to be the one I need now. Like, you didn't think anything was wrong when you were looking at your own phone. But as soon as that advert went up, I've got to have that 17. <laughs> you don't even know the differences yet. You don't know how good the camera is. You don't know how good, you know, texting is or whatever apps they have on it. But you want that thing. And I'm wondering if sometimes we focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have. Like, we've, we've got so much focus on what hasn't been given to us that we tend to not think about the blessings that are already in our hand. And as a result of that, sometimes our blessings look diminished in our hands because we're looking at somebody else's stuff. I'm going to be honest, I do this all the time. I have a perfectly fine house. I love my house. But I do. I go out and say, okay, oh, I see that bathroom looks nice in that house online. Why doesn't my bathroom look like that? Meanwhile, my bathrooms, like there's people all over this world who would give their arm and a leg for the bathroom I have. My kitchen, just fixed it up. Saw another kitchen online. Oh, I look like I missed that, that and that. My kitchen is fine. I spent three months on that thing. It's absolutely fine. But as soon as I see somebody else's kitchen, it looks better than mine. We have to be very careful about this because what happens is our blessings don't look nearly as good and the Lord's given the thing that you asked for, that you prayed for, and you're already disrespecting the gift he's given you. <sighs> Here's the thing that happens in verse 12 of Habakkuk. Verse 12, Habakkuk verse 12. This happens very, very quickly. He says to the Lord, Art thou not, after he's complained about the Chaldeans distressing them, he says in verse 12, Art, now, art thou not, or he says, Aren't you the one who's supposed to be the Holy One? Art thou not the one who's everlasting? He's basically saying, If these bad things are happening, how can you be the everlasting one? It's, it's, it's almost like he should be praising but he's almost, almost accusing God. He's saying, aren't you supposed to be the one who looks after us all? He's kind of accusing God, almost, when you look at it. 
He's saying, God, I thought you were supposed to be looking after us. I thought you were the Holy One. I thought you loved righteousness. I thought you loved justice and judgment. And I thought you were going to take care of us. And Habakkuk is caught in this, in chapter one, in this idea that maybe, maybe he's not the God I thought he was. But he quickly corrects himself in chapter two. And that's where I want to pick up, because I'm hoping when we look at 2022 and we look at 2021, we get our, our lives and our acts in order. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So in chapter 2, verse 1, which is 1 through 3, which is where I'm going to take the scripture from today, um, Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it reads thus, I will stand it upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Chapter 2, he has a turnaround. I think he may have realized I've gone too far with this. Because what he's actually saying in chapter 2, he says, I'm going to stand on my watch. I think up until now, he was standing on the Chaldean watch. He was watching the Chaldeans and what they were doing, rather than watching what he was given charge of. And I'm wondering this year if we can focus not on what is happening to us, but what has God has done for us already. He's saying, I'm going to stand on my tower, I'm going to stand on my watch, and I'm going to keep track of what the Lord has already done for me. I want you to be vigilant and watchful of the things and the blessings you have. I've said this often, I start my moment in a, I start my days in a position and a mindset of thanksgiving. I try to do that because that allows me to not focus on what problems are coming in, but what on blessings I already have. So I say, Lord, I thank you for waking me up this morning. It's just start off, that's just, I thank you for just being awake today. I don't start off by saying, my back feels terrible, which it generally does. I don't start off by saying, boy, I wish I hadn't um, gone out last yesterday because I'm really feeling all the work I did in my garden. I don't start off with that. I start off with, Lord, I thank you that I'm awake and alive right now. And it reorients my vision, not on my problems, but to the things that I've been given. So Habakkuk in chapter 12 is saying, I'm going to stand my watch and look at the things that you've given me right now. I'm gonna get on my tower and look over it and say, Lord, I'm thankful for what I have. And I'm gonna sit here and wait patiently on you to deliver me. I don't know if you ever saw uh, Michael Phelps in the Olympics, the Olympic swimmer, Michael Phelps, fantastic athlete, brilliant athlete. During his last Olympics, there was this very weird situation where a, an opposing swimmer was obsessed with Michael Phelps. He wanted to beat him so badly. And you would see during the interviews, almost this guy in the background just watching Michael Phelps. It was very weird, right? It got to the point that even when they were swimming and they were doing the butterfly, this guy was doing the butterfly two lanes over and he's looking over at where Michael Phelps is. And he's swimming and I'm like, haven't you got something to focus on? Why are you looking at him? Like it was absolutely, I've never seen swimmers in a pool and you look at the swimmer who's swimming against you. I've never seen it before. He was so obsessed with something other than what he was supposed to be doing that he lost the race. 
he was actually favored to kind of be first or maybe second. He ended up not meddling at all because he was focused on the wrong thing. I want this year to, to not focus on what COVID's doing, not focus on what your bills are doing, not focus on what your enemy's doing, but focus on what you're supposed to be doing in the Lord. What is he asking of you? I've been asking myself the same question, and the same thing comes to me over and over again. Don't worry about what anybody else is preaching. Don't worry about what anybody else is teaching. Don't worry about what anybody else is baptizing. My job is to preach, to teach, and to baptize. So this year, I'm going to get to verse 2 because this is important. <laughs> this year, that's my focus. Get more people to listen and hear the word of God. I need to be in every opportunity and every situation I can because that's my watch. That's my tower. That's my responsibility. I don't have to worry about what isn't. I want to worry about what I have and what the Lord has given me. Verse 2, he says this. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables or tablets that he may run that readeth it. <laughs> I'm going to read it one more time. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon ta tables or tablets that he may run that readeth it. Now, <laughs> here he starts by saying, I need you to take the things that I'm telling you, the things that you have, and I want you to write them down. I want you to write it down, and I want you to write it down in such a way that it's easy to understand. So it's plain, it's straightforward. It's, it's important that it be straight and plain, straight, plain, and plain and forward. And he's saying this so that the reason why he's doing this is because he's saying, I want other people to be able to read it, or for you to be able to read it, and run actively once you've read it. There's a couple of things that are going on here. The Lord is saying to, to Habakkuk that the vision I'm giving you, you easily, too easily forget. I don't know if you've ever, um, before I was married, I would go shopping for, I was living with a, a, a family when I was at university. And I used to shop for a few snacks for myself. The mistake I once made was shopping when I don't have a list and shopping when I'm hungry. That, that was a mistake for me. Like I would go out, get a few snacks, and um, I would end up getting a dozen ice cream sandwiches or whatever it is I wanted to snack on at that moment. And then when I got home, I've got no chips, I've got no dip, I've got no, I've got no food, I've got, no, I've got nothing. All I have is whatever was on my mind in that moment. The shopping list disciplines me so that when I get to the store, I've already told myself exactly what I need. Like, and that's the person, the version of me I'm going to trust. I'm not gonna trust the hungry version that's in the shopping mall with all these beautiful ice cream sandwiches around me. I'm gonna trust the me that was at home thinking about the things I needed. I'm asking you to write down your vision for this year. Because three months from now, what's going to happen is you're going to be in a completely different mindset. You're going to be in a different attitude. And you're going to say, ah, 
that's not really what I want to do. It's the same thing when I work out. If I don't write down what I'm going to do, my, my workout regime goes from 25 minutes to 12 minutes, from 12 minutes to 6 minutes because I didn't write it down. I'm making a promise to myself at the start of my workout routine that I'm going to do three of those, eight of those, and ten of those. Halfway through, <laughs> I'm saying to myself, well, maybe two's okay. Maybe four and five's okay. I want you to write down the vision for who you want to be in Christ Jesus this year. You can do this exercise for your home life, for your family, for your work life, but I'm focused today on your spiritual life. I want you to write it down. What is the thing that I want to accomplish today? I said, told you mine. Mine is to make sure I'm preaching and teaching and I'm studying even more so that the word that I give is directly from Scripture, un unfiltered truth of the Scripture and Gospel of Jesus Christ. But you might have one too. <laughs> you might have a vision. You may have an idea that the Lord has spoken to you when he's told you to be on your watch, looking at the things concerning you. You've got to figure that out for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That may be speaking to somebody who you know is going through, who could use the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> that might be somebody praying, simply praying for more people. That might be being more charitable with some people who need it. Maybe you have a ministry in the prisons or a ministry in the hospital and you've thought about it and put it on the back burner, but if, now is the time to figure out what the ministry is for you. If you have ministry in music, make full use of that ministry. But don't leave it to your mind because your mind will just say, oh, I don't have to do that one anymore. I literally want you to write it down. The thought will become nothing if it doesn't become some, put somewhere permanent. You've got to put it somewhere permanent. Let me keep reading. I will stand upon my watch, Habakkuk says, and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved, when I'm corrected. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision down and make it plain upon tablets, that he may run that readeth it. I love the last part of that. He said, he may run that readeth it. So when you come back to read it, you're not gonna just casually go through this. You're gonna be actively going through this. There's two different ways you can approach doing a work. You can just lollygag and kind of take your time through the whole thing, or you can do it with a certain kind of purpose and a certain kind of excitement. Writing it down is designed to keep you excited about the vision you received. Because your mind kind of plays those wandering tricks on you where it's not as important. But the writing it down makes it permanent, makes it, sets it in front of you. And you need to focus on bringing that permanence into, into reality. Write the vision down. Take the unseen and make it permanent. Make it plain. And, and, and what I realize about um, our activities and what the things that we're trying to do, it always starts with our imagination. Always starts with our imagination. What are you thinking you could possibly do? From there, it has to become a desire, a hope. Otherwise, you're not going to do it. 
So you write it down, the thing that you are hoping for this year. I want you to take this exercise and write it down. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me go to another scripture here because I want to support this a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I was thinking about how sometimes, um, how the situation that the children of Israel were in, how it, it, it came with a problem, but there was a solution with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this. There hath no, there has been no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You're not going through anything that no one else has gone through. It's unlikely that you're going through something right now that no one else has experienced. It feels like it when you're going through it. <laughs> the horses look like leopards when you're going through it, right? They look like they're wolves when you're going through it. But truthfully, everybody kind of goes through that situation. It looks like they're eagles when you're going through it. And the funny thing is, it always looks worse when it's for you. But when it's for somebody else, it looks kind of normal. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But when it's you, oh, the world has just come to the end. <laughs> he says, but there's been no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Here's the thing that Habakkuk starts to realize in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of this, is that God is faithful. Like if he said he's going to take care of you, if he's promised to take care of you, that's exactly what he's going to do. Habakkuk is now getting to his mindset where he says, God said he'll, he, we're going to go through this with the Chaldeans, but he's going to bring us out on the other side. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able? He's not going to leave you with something more than you can bear. And what he goes on to say is, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So whatever he sent with the Chaldeans, the solution was right there with it, with the problem. So sometimes we go through things and what the problem does is brings us a permanent solution that we can carry going forward. So the problem comes, and we can't deny that problems are coming. But with that problem is a permanent solution to the, to the situation you're finding yourself in. And the Lord's going to give you that solution inside the problem. But here's the thing, you're never going to get the solution without the problem. <laughs> because the solution is with the problem, you get me? And so we have to really accept, Lord, the Chaldeans are terrible and the wolves are awful and the situation and they're like eagles, but I know somewhere in amongst all of that is the solution to what I'm going through. So I'm going to endure that. I'm going to endure the wind. I'm going to endure their laughter and mockery. I'm going to endure the injustice because I know you're giving me a solution that exists right with the problem. He says, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common. I know it doesn't feel like it, but everybody goes through this. But God is faithful. God is faithful. 
who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. He's going to make give you your escape with the problem, so you're going to be able to get out of it. That's what I love about the Lord. He will, with the temptation, with the problem, give me a solution. And I've got to patiently wait on him. This is why it was important for a prophet at that moment to look at the problem and start to see this is how we can get out of this. In chapter 2, you see Habakkuk coming to the realization that the problem is here, but my solution is in my towers. I've got to look at what I have got to do in this situation. Verse 3. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, it says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry or though it waits, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. It will not wait. What is he saying? The deliverance promised to you is absolutely going to come when it is designed to come. It's going to show up exactly at the moment. Why? Because he is faithful. Like that thing is going to show up exactly when he said it's going to show up because God is faithful. Like he's reliable. He's like clockwork. He said it's going to show up. It's going to show up. He says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. It's specific and it's going to come. But at the end it shall speak. It will not lie. Though it waits. Here's the thing. When I was in the dentist, I'm realizing this thing is going to come to an end. Like it might feel like when you're in it that it's taking too long. That's why it's important to write it down. It's important to write down because when you're going through, you feel another way. Like we're halfway through that appointment, I wish I hadn't set the appointment. But that's why you don't just show up and start doing it. You say, it's three months and then I'll be there. We made the appointment, now I've got to go. Right, we wrote it down. It's on the appointment book, it's there. If you ask me on any given day, do you want to go to the dentist? The answer will be no. But if I make an appointment, I'm going to show up, write it down so that you remain faithful to the vision you have in the first place. He says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. It's not going to lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. One more scripture. Uh, uh, in St. John chapter 1 I wasn't going to go here but I wanted to go here uh, St. John chapter 1 I was looking at this at this idea of making this vision concrete writing it down, making it permanent and I was just led into this St. John chapter 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God now the word word when we say the word we're actually talking about this Greek word called logos, which means a thought or a concept. 
In other words, what he's saying in the scripture is there was this thought or concept in the beginning that was God, was with God and was God, right? But it was just a thought. There was nothing substantial about it. There was nothing you could touch about it. It was essentially spirit. It was an idea. But the scripture tells us in verse 14, and the word was made flesh. That vision, that thought, that idea, that concept had to become tangible, physical, had to become the Lord. What am I saying for you to do? If the Lord's solution to a problem is to make his thought physical for you, I'm wondering if some of the solutions you can have for your problems just require you to make them physical by at least writing them down. Just start by writing it down. This is what I'm doing this year. So that you can get excited about it three months from now and say, this is what I said. I need to get active and run and move towards my vision. I'm putting it in a place that I can feel it becoming real. I'm encouraging you this year. Start to figure out what it is you want to do in Christ Jesus. If that's to to preach, if that's to teach, if that's to to help people come realization of who God is for them, write the vision down. Don't make it complicated. Doesn't have to be a long essay. Just has to be a single sentence or two. Really simple, make it plain as the scripture says. Make Make it accessible. And it doesn't have to be for me. This isn't for me. This is you doing this for you. I'm going to write mine down. I'm going to put mine down so that when it comes and we're in April and June, I know exactly what the Lord asked me to do. I want you to work, to envision. And this needs a a good imagination too. Because some of the things you're going to say are going to be beyond your ability. (laughs) And that's just okay. It doesn't matter if it doesn't get done in 2022. What matters is that you put those visions down and you make it plain and you run after them. You actively seek after them because the Lord will make them happen in your life if you start to believe. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word in the name of the Lord Jesus.